Everything you know about health is about to change. Welcome to Straight Talk on Health with Dr. Vincent Medici. Sometimes people suffer, not from lack of faith, but from lack of knowledge. This is the show that changes that. If you are tired of being sick, tired of not getting answers, tired of spinning in circles, for healing is not a mystery. It is a miracle that you were designed to experience. It takes hard work and real knowledge. It takes patience and time. It takes the education this show can provide. So get it straight today. Here's Dr. Medici. Good morning. Happy 4th to you. Independence Day on the way. We all came here from somewhere else, did we not? And we came here, our ancestors, with a sense of we could have a better life if we took the risks. I pray we're thinking the same way today. I hope that spark is still there. I hope it reignites. Hopefully it reignites every 4th of July. We're going to need it because there's lots of liars out there. The latest lie, not what the show is about. I wouldn't waste your time at this point. But the latest lie, of course, are the COVID variants, the grave danger the new variants pose, the potential of a lockdown for September, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you're way on the left and haven't figured it out yet, could you just ask yourself this question? How could this scam song be going on this long? In light of the fact that variants, almost invariably, when you have what we call a wild-type strain, the original nucleotide sequence of the original perpetrator, the original virus, the killer, Variants are almost invariably in the history of medicine much weaker. Even if they're a little more transmissible, in a sense, who cares? Because they're almost always much weaker. Such is the case with these two, or three, or four, or five. And mark my words, as I called it right over a year ago, I'll call it correctly again today. This is another gross exaggerated threat just to keep you in suspense and hiding under a rock waiting for some sort of new vaccine. I mean, don't you see it on the wall now? Every year you get a flu vaccine. Every year that flu vaccine of variable degrees of, it, of effectiveness is based on the idea that as the flu virus, as it does, mutates, you'll go to a more lethal or less lethal form. And this is what we're being set up for now. They're already starting. We just got rid of one and now we're on the other. Not if I can help it. Not if you can remember where you came from. And that's what I mean. Independence Day. Think for yourself. Please think for yourself. That piece of you that knows. Grow that piece. Today's show. The stroke of unluck. Strokes. How to avoid a stroke. I'm going to do this in two parts. Strokes are the third or fourth leading cause of death. First thing I want to say about strokes. When you have a stroke, or they think you're going to have a stroke, you have a little mini stroke, 
They put you on blood thinners. Blood thinners are a critical component of what we call the managed care of cardiovascular disease. And it's not that they don't have their place, but I do want to point this out and have you think about it. Strokes are the third or fourth, I don't know, I don't care, leading cause of death. Way up there in the chart. The vast majority of people who have deadly strokes are on blood thinners. So I want you to kick back and understand that. It's all important, all significant, all life-saving, all critical that you're on your blood thinner after you have a stroke. And yet strokes are the third or fourth leading cause of death. And the vast majority of people who die from a stroke are on blood thinners. Which begs the question, well, how effective are blood thinners? If the vast majority of people who die of strokes are on the blood thinners. And that is the case. That is the case. So you really got to wonder, and if you want to get more to the science of it, what you have to come to terms with, and I'm not going to do part one on this, but a stroke is a combination of factors, all of which plug up an artery to the brain or the eye. A stroke's a combination of factors, and when we give you a blood thinner, those blood thinners interrupt the coagulation cascade, which is a 10, 20, 30 step process that a blood thinner comes in and interrupts so that the platelets don't stick to each other, which is, of course, an important part of how you form a clot. So when we make those platelets less capable of sticking to each other, we feel really good about it. And yes, it can have its place. Let's not forget drugs can have a place. But that is only part of the reason that clots form. There are other parts. And of course, they haven't invented drugs yet for these parts, so you don't hear about them. All you hear about is warfarin or Plavix or this, that, and the other thing. And that's where the scam is. If we have a drug to help it, that's what you will hear about. And you will reduce the complexity of that which forms a clot, it'll be reduced simply to that piece of it that we have a drug for. That's the scam. You see, it's called a lie of omission. A lie of omission. We didn't tell you that lie. We just didn't tell you the truth. We left out the big chunk of it. And so we didn't lie. Yes, you did. It's called a lie of omission. All right, back to the concepts here. Lots of concepts today, so I'm going to do this in two parts. Okay. First of all, a concept, a big concept, a concept that gets overlooked. And that is, is that the brain, and therefore the blood in the arteries of the brain. Now, if you go to the show, straighttalk.cc, I've got 12 pictures up. I really, really do. And about four of those pictures show the vasculature, the arterial investment in the brain. You want to talk about a bunch of circuits? 
a bunch of pathways, a circuit of blood vessels. Go look at the brain. It's incredible. And all these blood vessels to the brain, the arteries to the brain, and the arteries are the places you get the clots. Those arteries are being pumped as the brain pumps, as the cranial bones pump. Let's go back and understand that. Massive amounts of blood. I think it's about, what, 20%? A very disproportionately large percentage of blood supply to the brain is pumping, is a vibration. The blood and the blood vessels and the red blood cells in the blood plasma are dancing to a rhythm. And that rhythm of circulation is controlled by the pump of the brain. The brain is dancing. The big hunk of flesh we call the brain is vibrating. It has a compensatory vibration into the artery. That pumping of the brain is controlled largely by the flexion and extension, by the pumping of the bones of the brain. Bones flex, bones pump. It's called the cranial rhythm. Now, if you look at picture one, two, three, and four on the website, you're going to see those bones of the brain. And what people don't think about, because they see the skull, the cranium, as a solid mass, like a brick, what they don't realize is those bones all separate. You can dissect out the brain. You can take those bones that the brain is encased in. You can separate each bone, bone by bone by bone. You can paint each bone. Look at each bone. Close your eyes and like a jigsaw puzzle, put all those bones together again to recreate the skull. This is a very real thing. And at the turn of the last century, there was a debate in anatomy. And that debate was, do the places the bones meet, called the sutures, the sutures, do those places where the bones meet of the cranium of the skull, the sutures, do they flex? Or are they just rigid shut like a brick? And the English anatomists and the Italian anatomists in the 1900s debated this. It turns out the Italian anatomists were correct. It turns out those bones do flex. And the flexion of those bones, the mo movement at the sutures of all these bones, just about all of which you can look at on the website or look it up yourself, these bones are in constant motion. However small, this is micro motion. You might not be able to seal it, but rest assured, the senses of your hands can feel the rhythm of these bones. Thus, and you've heard of this, cranial osteopathy, craniosacral therapy, cranial workers, cranial adjustments. 
if your hands are trained enough, they're sensitive enough, you can feel the difference in one person's motion at the sutures and another person's motion at the sutures. Well, how does this relate to stroke? When those cranial bones don't move, when for different reasons they're stuck shut, they stop pumping the brain. And if the brain stops pumping, the arterial supply doesn't pump as well. Yes, it still pumps, obviously. But it's dance, it's rhythm, it's flow. It's vibration is not optimal. And when the pumping and the vibration of the blood that flows is not optimal, it can get thick, stagnant, stasis, clot. This is not a little thing. This is a huge thing. In Chinese medicine, they write books on blood stasis. In hematology, in hemodynamics, in stuff that medical doctors don't study. Even your vascular people study it and forget it. Because underneath hemodynamics is physical chemistry. It's all math and hard chemistry and physics. And so you just dwaddle in it throughout it, in a little taste of it in medical school, even if your specialty becomes vascular medicine. I don't mean your heart doctor. That's your cardiologist. I mean vascular medicine, the vascular surgeon. They learn it and forget it as fast as they can because it's not turned into a standard of care. It doesn't have any meaning, ultimately and practically, for your health. And so it's just something mentioned and forgotten, and that's tragic. Because if you really pick up the science of hemodynamics, you'll understand blood stasis, what they call today blood viscosity, is of major, massive significance. And there is a very, very, very critical importance to blood viscosity that comes from structure, from rhythm, from the dance of the osseous or bony structure that's supposed to affect flow of blood. So a dimension of hemodynamics termed blood viscosity is seriously influenced by that branch of medicine we could call structural medicine. You know what it means? It means if you clench all night, you are repetitively destroying your hemodynamics. Clenching, yes, TMJ. It means if you've had head trauma. If it means you've had anterior head carriage. If you're 60, 70, 75, and you have that nice, big, fat dowager's hump, you have compromised hemodynamic flow. You have compromised the flow of blood. I don't mean the amount necessarily. I mean the dance. Stasis will ensue. So from TMJ, meaning jaw clenching, and grinding to head trauma, upper cervical subluxations, postural dysregulation, 
Are you missing teeth? The more you're missing, the less occlusal vibration. When you close your mouth on your teeth, your teeth send vectors of force through the maxilla ethmoid into the sphenoid. And this helps stimulate the cranial rhythm. If for whatever reason, from anterior head carriage to traumas to just generalized muscular tension, to never have you stretched a real day in your life, or that you don't even know where the muscles are you need to stretch from the neck up, the total power of all the constriction due to those tensions in the muscular system will compromise your cranial rhythm. So one concept at the top of your concern as it relates to never getting a stroke or recovering from a stroke is where is the cranial rhythm? So important for you to understand. And I'm just passing on the information. I didn't invent it, nor did I develop it. This is just a facet you don't hear about. So you can go online. You can start with my site, but you could go online. What I try to do on the show is get to the essences of things so you don't have to read 30 books. Where I come from, that's what great teaching was all about. Let the teacher read all the books and then carve it down to essences, memorandums. Give me an effective memorandum. So we're talking stroke. We're talking the third leading cause of death. We're talking the fact that although we think we solve it with the blood thinners, most people that get the deadly stroke, the one that kills, are on blood thinners. We're talking about concepts behind how the blood starts to get clotty, termed stasis of blood, blood viscosity. How thick is the blood flowing through your body up to your brain? And is it not just moving? Is it flowing to the right dance? When I say the vibration, if you think about pushing water through a canal that flows in the direction of a snake, you could do your own home experiment of that. Take a hose and bend it into a bunch of S-curves going 10 feet long. Really. Take a hose 10 feet long, one that's capable of being bent into S's, like the continual S pattern of the snake. And try to blow water through it. If you blow too fast, if you blow in a intermittent, non-continuous pattern, it becomes extremely inefficient. It's almost if you blow too fast, you'll bash the water into the sides of the walls instead of allowing the water to flow through. There's many variations of this theme, but... The point is, there has to be a certain rhythm to the flow of the water through the S's of the 10-foot snake curve. 
for the water to flow optimally. And it's the same thing as the heart pumps blood to the brain. If in the microvasculature of the brain, the arterioles, even the capillaries, you don't have the right vibration based on the cranial rhythm, unimpeded by those things I mentioned and more, then the blood can chunk up, chunk up. Down in the heart, when you go into atrial or ventricular fibrillation, they give you a blood thinner. Why? Those of you who understand this. If you've ever been told you have atrial fibrillation, those of you who have had heart valves replaced before the valves are replaced, one of the telltale signs, one of the danger signs is you're in atrial fibrillation. Why do they put you on a blood thinner then? Why, if you need the valve replaced, mitral or aortic valve, do they put you on a blood thinner? Because you're going in and out of fibrillation. And that means the heart's not doing the right dance. So blood can congeal in the heart, and that could cause you a massive heart attack or stroke. So they know this. This is understood. By the same token, this goes on in the brain. If the cranial flow isn't optimized, like heart beating isn't optimal, thus atrial fib, you can chunk up. Blood will pool in chunks, especially in the microvasculature, and you'll start stroking out. So this concept of how do we prevent a stroke and where's the cranial rhythm at is so important. And we don't even have a concept of it. People don't know what's on top of their neck. People don't feel what's on top of their neck. We don't have relationship with this, and we must. So it's good to get a cerebral understanding of it. And in later shows, we're going to talk about how you translate that into something that has meaning. Anyone that's ever gone through a series of therapies to straighten posture. Remember the Alexander technique, right? That guy that was a Shakespearean, you know, a thespian. He was a fairly prominent actor. I think it was in the theater of Australia. This is Alexander, the Alexander technique. And he lost his voice which isn't good if you're a theater actor. And had to figure out how to hold his body so he could enunciate, so he could get back his function. And this was the birth of the Alexander Technique. Ida Rolf did something similar, thus Rolfing. Pilates did something similar, thus Pilates. And all it's basically saying, but I'm focusing on the neck up, is that the position of those bones is critical to the physiology of the body. And the aspect of it we're talking about today is the cranial rhythm because it's so related to the frequency, if I can use that term, of blood flow through the brain antithetical to resist stasis and then clotting.
And this is in the science of hematology. This is in the science of strict medicine. But if you take concepts like this to your doctors, they'll look at you like you're out of your mind. And it's just what they forgot to study, even though it was presented to them. A doctor will only remember what his standard of care is and the things he has to do that's part of his job description. And we're not knocking that, are we? Because when you have a massive clot, because you didn't understand a lot of what I'm talking about, you want a doctor that can just jump to action, execute the standard of care, and is very good at that. That is its own miracle. So we're not knocking doctors for not understanding it. But the stupid part of it is, from the standpoint of prevention, you have to understand the rudiments of blood flow. And what we have to start to grapple with is knowledge has become so massive that how much can one individual understand it? So functionally, what you depend on your doctors for is crisis intervention. And concepts of prevention often given to the auspices of your holistic practitioner don't allow for an inquiry into the real science of it. The real science of it, the guys that teach the medical doctors get the science of it, but they can't teach the science of it because it's not part of the real curriculums. Even in hematology, vascular surgeons get it, but they don't really get it. And that's why I do this show. There's so much hard science inside hemodynamics that relates to how we ought to understand ourselves in the interest of preventing stroke. This was just one little piece today. So before you go off and have hot dogs and frankfurters, and I certainly hope you do, because this is a celebration, we are at least temporarily out of this lie and scam affronting, I mean, think about it, Declaration of Independence, what would those guys be thinking today? So you made it, and you've learned something. All right, next week I'm going to continue with part two of this. Whether you're thinking about preventing a stroke or have unfortunately had one or not, this is about things that are much deeper than strokes, but we'll use stroke as the example. I'll hit you with part two next week. Have a great holiday. We'll see you next week. Okay, that's a wrap. Don't forget to get to Dr. Medici's website at drmedici.com to look at the pictures and review the show as often as you wish. See you next week.